Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. If you have a Bible, whether you're sitting on your couch or whether you're here, if you'd like to use a paper bobble, blah, 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 blah. can I start over? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 3, which is toward the end of the Old Testament. I had trouble finding it this last week because it's, it's not a huge book. And I'm like, well, where is this? And I found it. Don't worry. Eventually found it. Um, of course, you can use your smartphone if you want to do it that way. To get us started, I'm going to tell a story you may have heard the story or seen it on social media. I had heard it before. I don't remember when. And I've had a few people say they've heard it. It goes like this. There was a family of four. So you got a mom and a dad and two kids. A nine-year-old daughter, Lisa, and a five-year-old son, Mark. Let's just pretend that Mark looks like this because the story is kind of about Mark. Lisa, the nine-year-old, was diagnosed with a rare blood disease and was predicted to die soon if the doctors did not find a cure. Part of what was required was a rare matching blood type that might be found in a close relative. Following the story with me? Upon testing immediate relatives, it was found that little Mark was, com was a compatible match. So Mark, little guy, was asked by his parents if he would agree to give Lisa his blood. And Mark asked, will it save Lisa, his older sister? When they said yes, he paused and thought for a long moment and then agreed. Two days later, the blood transfer began. Mark was put on a bed next to Lisa's bed till the blood was extracted and after some time mark little mark began to feel dizzy and got the attention of one of the doctors he asked the doctor is this when i start to die get it so the little guy thought when he said yes to giving blood he thought he was saying yes to giving all of his blood and dying so that his sister would live. Now, a few of you are going, oh. I've heard that story. Before. Anybody heard this story before? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, I've heard the story. And, but I still, whenever I hear the story, it still does something in my heart. It makes me go, oh. I, it's kind of a, something in between a warm-heartedness and also a challenge to what, uh, what I would call courage. Because the little guy was facing a tough choice, but he went ahead and made the hard decision because it was the right thing to do. Courage. That's where we're going to head today. We're going to talk about courage. So we'll put a definition up on the screen. Courage. It's the ability to do something that frightens one. It's strength in the face of pain or grief. It's bravery, fearlessness. Or, I like that. I like grit. It's just be, it's grit. It's being gritty. If I were to add something to the definition, I would say, it's even when it's hard or scary, we still do what's right. Even when it's hard or scary, we still do what's right. It's courage. 
And the big idea today is courage is what Christians do. You're a follower of Jesus. Courage is what followers of Jesus do. I would submit to you that it's kind of part, it's one of the manifestations of God's Spirit in us, is to make us courageous. There's a, a verse in 2 Timothy where Paul is speaking and encouraging a young man named Timothy, who's a spiritual son of Paul's. Paul has already prayed for him in the past to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. And it says in verse 6 that Paul's talking to this young man. He says, Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For, for the Spirit God gives us, look at this, does not make us timid. That word can also be translated cowardly. The Spirit doesn't make, it, make us cowardly. but gives us power. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee, picture this, you guys, the wicked flee, though no one pursues. In other words, they're running from something that doesn't even exist. They're scared of something and they don't even know why. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. There are countless examples throughout the Bible of people being courageous. Shepherds taking on giant soldiers in the Old Testament. Read the story of David. Um, fishermen in the New Testament becoming public speakers, which is like, what, the number one fear of all humanity is speaking in public. And, and God's Spirit, and, and the book of Acts chapter 2, God's Spirit comes, and Peter, who's a fisherman, stands up and addresses the crowd. I was going to put the text up on the screen, but, but he stands up and basically says, hey, listen up, I'll explain this to y'all. That's a moment of courage. He's just a fisherman guy. Well, not anymore, because God's Spirit in him. In Acts chapter 4, leaders in the day were taking note of the disciples, and it says they saw the courage of Peter and John. They recognized the courage of Peter and John, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So here's the question, how is my Christian courage? How are we doing with Christian courage? Courage. A couple of reasons why I am, I'm actually kind of convinced I'm supposed to talk about this this weekend. One is, courage is just an everyday need all the time. I, I, I guess that's an overstatement. I want to say, how many days of our life does require courage if we're going to navigate it well? Right? It's like an, it's like an almost everyday thing. My, uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, 19 years old, just started a new job, and, and she had to walk through multiple layers of things that she had not done before, so she had to go through interview process, and then she had to fill out paperwork, and then, and then they required this, and she had to figure that out, and, and then she had to go to her first day of work, and then she had to go through training, and then they, they changed the schedule thing, and then she had to call H, the HR department and say, I think that this, right? All those, all those are moments that take 
courage. Some of you are going to have to move on after a relational mess, a breakup. Young people, you were dating so-and-so, and yeah, he seemed like a good guy, but he ain't. So you're going to move on. It's going to take courage. Some of all of you are like, oh, yeah. You know, well, I could go the other side. Some of you guys, right, she seemed like a good, good, good girl, but she ain't. So you're going to take courage to go on and do, do something else. Or maybe you're going to be in that season of life where you feel like God's leading you to ask someone to go out with you, and you're like, ah, you have to do it. Or you have to call or text or something. It's just life takes courage. I had a new thought. There's the idea. Think of somebody whose life is more like the life that you would like to have. Or someone whose life is basically better than yours. Fi- financially, physically, relationally, spiritually. And you think, wow, they, they've got something I don't have. Think about this. I'll bet there's a great chance that they have made some courageous choices that we were too afraid to make to get us there. Does that make sense? So that's why we're talking about it. We're also talking about it uh, because I think... As we navigate coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic crisis thing and trying to move back into real life, that there are going to be moments where we are all going to need to be courageous or we will never shake another person's hand the rest of our life. (laughs) Or we will never pray, we'll never lay hands on someone and pray for them. Or we won't participate in a passionate prayer meeting that happens in a living room or in a room. Or one of my great pastoral concerns for our church family and arguably others in the world is is that fear is going to get a hold of us in such a way through this process. And in two years, people will look back with fondness and they'll look back and they'll go, Remember back when we were, we were in love with God and we were in love with people and we were leading people to Christ and we were making a difference? And then they'll go, what happened? And I don't know whether they'll be sharp enough to realize it or not, but it will be tied to whatever has happened over the last few months and we will not, dig, we will not courageously dig ourselves out of fear. We will instead let it become a stronghold and we will live in it and it will affect your life. In fact, fear will steal your life. Oh, here's something. How about this? We're getting off the notes. Did you know, did you know, if you read throughout the scripture, there is almost the only thing that God calls us to fear consistently, the only thing throughout the Bible that we are supposed to be afraid of is chocolate. No, that's not it. The only, you know, the only thing that the Bible says we're supposed to be afraid of? God. That's the only consistent theme in Scripture that we're supposed to is God. So that's a good perspective to be reminded of in a, weird, in a, in a world that is sometimes driven by lots of other things and fears. And I have to find my place back to the notes. So we're going to talk about courage. By the way, the Bible, also I would say the Bible's primary message is never be safe. Did you know that? Jesus did not come to say be safe. He said he came to be strong and be loving and be all kinds of things, but he never said, okay, everybody, come here. Here's the deal. 
just be safe. It's just, it's, risk is part of the kingdom. So we're going to look at three courageous men today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their names. And here's the scene. There is a, a godless king named Nebuchadnezzar. Don't name your kid that. Nebuchadnezzar. It's like, it's like this long of a name. And, uh, but he was a godless king uh, over Babylon. And he decides he is going to invoke a national worship plan. He's going to make everybody do this. He's going to, going to create a big tall statue out of gold. We'll read about it. And then he's going to play music and basically tell everybody who can hear the music, whenever the music plays, you have to worship the idol I just created. Okay, so let's read a little bit of the story. In verse 1 of Daniel 3, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. That's 90 feet tall, about 9 feet wide. That's a big chunk of gold. Verse 5 kind of does this executive order. He says, as soon as you hear the sound, uh, he sends a herald of spokesmen out into the world, into the community to say this. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, some, some kind of musical instrument, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of Gold. I don't know if I should do this, but to try to bring it, what it would look like in today's world would be if the mayor of the city put a big loudspeaker system together and brought a band together, and ev whenever the mayor wanted people to worship the thing, he would just start having the music play. So I picture an old 90s song that goes, Everybody dance now. All right, it's from the CC dance machine something thing. Have you, have you heard that? Everybody dance now. And there's a that thing. So they'd like start that music, and whenever you heard that music, it wouldn't be a dance party though, because it would be forced fear. It, you'd have to stop no matter what you were doing, if you were feeding the baby or hanging out with your friends then you would have to then, uh, there's the music again, okay, get on your knees and bow to this idol. And it was forced worship by fear. It says, let's see, fall down. Did I read this as soon as you hear the sound? Yeah, I did. It says, whoever does not fall down, in verse 6, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediate be, immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. You're going to die if you don't worship. So everybody does. Everybody worships except for these three men. So, so some tattletales who go tell the king that there's three guys that are not worshiping. And so the king calls them in and threatens them. And says, if you don't, if you don't start worshiping when the music plays, you're going to die. And then we're going to look at their response to the king. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. King Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I like this part too though. But even if he does not, 
We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Title of the talk, the topic this weekend is courage, Christian courage. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you a couple things that I think are in these three men that make them courageous. Let's pray. Father, we all need it. We need it. We'll need it this afternoon or Wednesday or We'll need it. So will you plant it, plant it in us? In Jesus' name, amen. Two things, I think, that are in these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first is this. Christian courage comes from a clear understanding of God's will. If you want to write something down here at home, just write down God's will or clear understanding. You can write the whole thing down. Clear understanding of God's will. We didn't read the verses, but twice in the text, it says that these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are Jewish. And Jews in this time would have known so easily, they knew the commands of God. In fact, when they were growing up, they would have memorized the Ten Commandments. So they would have been more well-informed regarding the Ten Commandments than most of us. Like, we can kind of fumble through them. They would have memorized them word for word. So, when all this is happening, they would have known in their soul, in their, in their mind, very clearly, they would have known, for example, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, the beginning of the Ten Commandments, where it says, you shall have no other gods before me. God is speaking that to them. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, and you shall not bow down to them or worship them. They just would have known that. So here's the idea that that foundation, that foundational understanding, the clarity of God's will would have set the stage so that when they were informed, hey, y'all are going to worship, they would have known, I'm gonna, I would submit to you like this. No, I'm not. They would have said, oh, yeah, that's what everybody's doing except me. So I thought it would have, I, I think it maybe would have happened like this mentally. The herald, the proclaimer, would have been going through town maybe with a scroll. Hey, everybody, you know, hear ye, hear ye. This is what the king says. The king is making a giant gold idol. And mentally, these three men would have went, oh, wow, okay. That's interesting. He would have went on. And then we're putting a band together. You'll hear from the, you'll hear, everybody day. And when you hear that song, that's not what they would have when you hear the zither, whatever that is, right? Whenever you hear the music, and then so we're going to put a band together. And then the three men would have gone, cool, a band. How much fun is that? I hope it sounds like the 90s. And they would have done their thing. And then, the, the, then he would have brought clarity and he would have said, and whenever you hear the band play, you're going to bow down and worship the giant gold thing. And every one of their Jewish minds would have went, nope. I'm, I was with you. Maybe they would have gone, oh, that's cool. It's a big gold thing. That's okay. I like music. Woo. Worship it. It's not going to happen. And I would tell you, I can't be for sure. But I would guess it happened like that because they knew right away. They knew spiritual clarity right or 
wrong. So here's the idea. What some would call courage is mostly, or at least sometimes, it's just spiritual clarity. It's just spiritual clarity. I just know what God's will is. And so then that, so people say, wow, you're strong. And I think, well, sometimes it's just clear. I've told this story in every service. I've hesitated a little bit every time, but hey, why not? Because it's the last time that I remember uh, a, a woman other than my wife giving me the vibe. Some of you are like, we're so old, we don't even know what the vibe is anymore. But some of you young people remember, like you might be hanging out someplace and, and you're hoping to date someone or whatever, and you'll be in a conversation and then, and then, that's, then like he will say or she'll go, hey, and you'll be like, oh no. It's the vibe, all right? So are you with me? Like the vibe. By the, some of you, this is going to blow you away because you think no old people ever experience the vibe. But it was about eight years ago. It's why it's burned in my brain because it never happens to me. I was driving on, are you with me? Someone just, you know, so, I, so I, I'm driving in a car, an extremely cool car, probably a minivan, right? I'm driving in this car in Elkhart. Uh, no, it would have been probably my Honda Civic or something, So, uh, which is a hot car. A lot of, you know, there's a, you get a lot of vibe from that. Um, driving through about a two-mile stretch where there are a lot of stoplights, and it was a spring day. I still remember parts. Spring day. So, you know, in the spring, everybody's just a little happier and kind. You know, like it's just, oh, the sun. And so, so I'm driving, and, and uh, there's a pretty cl large cluster of cars, and so we were all there, and, and it was like everybody had their windows down. And so I looked off over and noticed a, a woman over here, and we both kind of noticed each other, and so I'm a friendly guy. I said something like, man, isn't this weather great? Because that's what everybody was thinking. And she said, oh, this weather is so great. I'm like, yeah, it's great, you know, and so then we moved on. The next stoplight, we just happened. It wasn't planned, but we were next to each other again. And I don't remember how it all worked, but it's like she said something to me like, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, it is great. So, and then I thought, well, that's it. So we're driving, and we get a mile down the road farther. And uh, you know how traffic does this thing. Well, she was way up there. And I noticed that she's slowing down and waving like me up. And so my first thought is I probably have a light out or a, you know, a flat tire, because you know sometimes they'll do that. So I'm like, whatever. So anyway, she's waving me up, and the traffic's going. So eventually I'm like, okay, next one. She's like, and the windows are down, and here's what she says. She said, hey, you want to have lunch and maybe hang out? And then she gave me the vibe. Or I don't, she didn't really give me the vibe. I could be delirious. But I was like, and you know what I said? I said, Oh, thanks, thanks so much. No, I'm good. Have a great day. And I turned on the next road. But I want to just give you this idea that I think we have a, a spiritual capacity, a mental capacity to process information really quickly at times, right? And you know why that was really a fairly easy response for me? Because I've, in my heart for years, you know, established some spiritual principles about God's will for my life. I don't have lunch with any woman that's not my wife. You know, there's just, I knew, I didn't, did you, I didn't even have to pray about it. Because I just knew, and, and I think, no, I'm, I'm, I am sure that that was in these three men. Like, they just know, because they're 
clear. When we know the Bible, when we know God, when we process things spiritually, a lot of decisions that might feel like for some people would be hard decisions or we would have to be courageous, sometimes we just make them. So someone invites you to do something and you know it's wrong and you just say no. Or they say, hey, we're just going to put here this number here and the title work and, it's, and you'll say, yeah, but that's not how much I paid for the car. So that would be a lie. By the way, clarity uh, develops your vocabulary too. You'll be like, no, that would be sin. So I'm not doing that. Or some of us, you know, uh, as this COVID-19 thing uh, begins to diminish and your, your boss is going to invite you to come back to work. And you're going to say, yes, I'll come back. Even though you're thinking, but I can stay home and make more money because right now I'm making more money. So I guess if I just call in sick and lie, see, some people are like, no, 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 you're getting too close to home. But I'm telling you, some of the decisions that we should make, we should have spiritual clarity and go, I'm going to, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, I'm going to take the job because that's what, does that make sense? It just helps us make decisions because we just know what is right and what's wrong, what's godly, what he's called us to. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have just healed a lame man and the same people, probably some of the same voices that, were, that killed Jesus are telling them, you guys need to be quiet. Quit talking about Jesus. Because it, it says in verse 18, they called the disciples in again and commanded, it's Peter and John, commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. You guys are going to shut up or things are going to get bad. And it says, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? That's a great question. What's right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? And I don't think they were asking the question. They were making a statement. So to finish up this point, am I quickly applying God's will to my present challenge? I think I'd circle the word quickly. Just write down, you know, quick, quick obedience. If you want to write something down, just quick obedience. Sometimes we overprocess. And what should have been an easy decision becomes a temptation. Or someone, you know, gives us a justification. And I want to bring a, just a challenge to the church family. If you're part of the vineyard, um, brothers and sisters in Christ, will you in the next two weeks, two months, just be open to being the courageous one and maybe the first courageous one in the group. Be the first to, because some people, especially people who don't know Christ, they're going to need someone who has courage to lean out. And we can make a difference in the world sometimes by being the first. Okay, so Christian courage comes from a clear understanding of God's will. And second thing, hang in there, less concern over dying. I don't know if that's a great way to put it. I was going to say, you know, little fear of death or prioritizing eternity. And we're going to see it in the text where they're going to be threatened to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And they're going to be like, okay, whatever. But I'll tell you a story um, uh, in, in my life. Probably 10 years ago, I was invited to go to a third world country, South Sudan, and do some ministry stuff. If you can ever go 
Two, if you can ever go to a third world country or on a mission trip, you should. Because it, it, it grows us up spiritually to see some of the things that other people deal with. And in South Sudan, sickness is just normal life. In virtually any gathering of more than 25 people, there's probably somebody, somebody in the room who is so used to being sick, they just still come to church when they're sick. Because they just, they just live. Does that make sense? It's just part of the deal. And so in different meetings, you'd have people, oh, I, I can't go into it, but you know, you'd have a pretty large meeting. And you had people, they're coming to church even though they're getting close to dying of cancer but they would be a church, or they've got malaria, or they, you know, that's just part of the deal. So we're trying to do ministry and encourage and preach and teach and all that stuff. Well, one of these meetings was an outdoor meeting, and there was a bunch of kids gathered. And so following the meeting, the plan was to give them all balloons, just as a fun toy, just to bring some joy in their life, which for them is like awesome to have a, you know, a balloon for, for a while. But we didn't really think through it uh, because when you give a whole bunch of little kids uh, balloons, a ton of them cannot blow them up themselves, right? Give a, you know, give a four-year-old a balloon, and what do they do? They'll spit all over it, but it, the no air will get in it. And so in the midst of all that, we realized, oh, wow. And we had dozens of kids beginning to go, can you blow up my balloon? Will you blow up? So we end up being a, the blow up the balloon ministry. And in the middle of it, and I don't think I'll ever forget this uh, for the rest of my life, a little after most of the balloons had been blown up, a little kid slowly came up from the back, just a little one, and evidently sick. Runny nose. The whites of his eyes were extremely yellow. You just look and recognize, oh, this little guy is sick. So this is not a picture of him, but this was the appearance of his face. You know, you just were like, oh. And you know what he's doing. He's walking up to the guy who had just talked in front of a bunch of people. And he's walked up to me. I don't think he said anything. But he just held that balloon up toward me as if to say, Mr., would you blow up my balloon? I'm, uh, I'm looking at the balloon. And that balloon is fully moistened already. Because he had tried. And... So when that happened, you know, my mind raced. And here are some of the thoughts that came to my mind virtually immediately. First thought, look at this precious little guy. Second thought, oh, look at all that mucus. Right? This is just real life. Look at that guy. Look at this mucus. <laughs> Third thought, I'm going to die. Yellow fever, here we come. Or whatever, you know, that was just what happened. Can I tell you my fourth thought, though? My fourth thought after I thought this might kill me was, oh, well. Eternity is not going to be a bad thing, right? And so I took that little balloon. I'm not telling you I wasn't afraid, by the way. But courage is... Doing things even when you're afraid, and you just go ahead and do them. And I blew up the balloon, tied it, gave it back to, to this little guy. Just another side note. I, in my brain, it, it, would, it wouldn't be a bad way to enter into the first conversation with God. To, you know, knock on the door. If I had died, you know, to be like, hey, 
and have God say, what are you doing here so early? And be able to say, well, there's a little kid. And, and so I thought Jesus would have blown up the balloon, so I blew up the balloon. Come on, God, you got to let me in after that. <laughs> By the way, we don't get in because of what we do. We get in because of what Jesus did on the cross. But it couldn't hurt to say. So let's shift back to the text. I think some of that awareness of, hey, so we might die. It's okay. Let's keep doing God's will is in the text. It's where they say if, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. He'll deliver us. But even if he doesn't, right? My interpretation is even if we die, even if we get burned up, so what? Got all of eternity. So here's the application. Don't let fear of death rule your life everybody. Listen, Christians, brothers and sisters, if you're a follower of Jesus, don't let the fear of death rule your life. And sometimes don't let the enemy exaggerate fear of whatever it is. Sometimes we think, well, like last week I had, a, had to have a hard conversation with a friend of mine, and I didn't want to make the call. I'm like, I don't want to dial his number. I was afraid. Like, oh, I was like, gosh, I'm just going to die if I have to talk to him about this. I wasn't going to die. Does that make sense? Sometimes we, the devil makes the consequences seem so huge. Oh, I'd just die if I had to do a speech in front of people. No, you wouldn't. You'd just sweat or something. If I have to wear a bathing suit in public this summer, my life is over. No, it's not. Just quit worrying about it. Some of the things that we worry about are just crazy. The point is, like, I think God is, wants to take us past protecting ourselves. The life that is just protecting ourselves. I have a theory. One of, the, one of the reasons I think that we're, as a culture, feared with anxiety and uh, worry and even depression, some of that is because we are so focused on protecting ourselves, and we're worried about our stuff. And so, wait, 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 I've got $100, and so it's my stuff, and I have to protect my $100. And what if, because you know what happens is eventually the $100 goes away, and then you're like, oh, son, now I'm super sad because I lost my we, we protect too much, and we can't control that anyway. And don't forget the words of Jesus who says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, Whoever loses their life for me will find it. We are not called to be protectors of our life. We can feel confident that God is our protector, and we are supposed to be servants of people and servants of God and risk-takers for the kingdom. So last question on the screen. Am I too connected to this temporary world? And I can answer it for me, yes. It's a great thing to be challenged by. So Christian courage comes from a clear understanding of God's will and less concern over dying. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray a prayer for both. No, I'm not. Hey, Pastor Jimmy, I'm going to turn it over back to you guys. You guys... Take some time, Pastor Jimmy, and lead people in a prayer for courage. And uh, we're going to do the same here. Those of you online, if you would like some personal prayer, 
if you just write, I need prayer in the comment or watch the comments, we have staff that are watching that, and they'll take some time to pray for you about anything going on in your life. Those of you that are here in Jackson, Jackson Road, the prayer team would love to pray for you about whatever is going on in your life. Right now, let's close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.